All right, Exodus chapter 3. We've got a lot of information. Jane did such a great job, uh, and, and her challenge is going to tie directly to our text in Exodus chapter 3 today. While you're turning there, I do want to remind you September 30th is our uh, members meeting. It's such a busy time of year. So many things are ramping up here. But if you are a member of Waukee Community Church, you need to plan to be there right after the service on the 30th. We've got a lot of exciting things going on. We'll have a phase two update for a facility as well as reaffirming Aaron Savage as an elder at Waukee Community Church. So it's a few of the things. So make sure you, uh, you get that on your calendar. It takes about an hour after the service. So, Okay, Exodus chapter 3. I, in ministry in my life, I had some firsts. Uh, I'll never forget the first time as a very part-time youth pastor, I got called to the hospital uh, I walked into a situation where there was a young woman who was dying in the hospital. Um, walked into the room to comfort the family. I brought Clarissa with me. I saw this person hooked up to machines and went to comfort the family, and I turned green. And the, the dad looked at me and said, uh, I think you need to leave. <laughs> and I went out in the hallway and tried not to pass out while my wife ministered to the family. And I thought, oh, man. I, I'm not very good at this. <laughs> uh, first time I did a wedding, uh, my, my senior pastor had left. He handed it off to me. I didn't know what I was doing. It was in Smith Chapel in Indianola in August. Smith Chapel has no air conditioning or had no air conditioning at the time. So it was about 97 degrees in the chapel. I'm in my full suit. I'm so nervous that I'm going to mess this up. And I'm sweating profusely. And we're getting ready to walk out. And the groom looks at me and goes, are you going to be okay? <laughs> I'm supposed to be asking you that. <laughs> oh, so nervous. Um, and then I'll never forget, it was about that same time where we had a family in our church who had a terrible loss. Uh, they're, they're, they lost their mom of these young children to cancer, and I was called to go minister to this family on the night that she passed away. And I walked in the house, and and I had no idea what to do. I didn't know these people. I just sat in the corner and, and just looked like, what is my place? And I remember going home that night and Clarissa says, how'd it go? And I said, oh, it went terrible. I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. And I just thought, who do I think I am pretending that I know how to be a pastor? Who am I to do this? And I'm pretty sure I just made everything worse. Um, all I wanted to do was run away from my calling in those moments. Can you relate? Have you ever had a moment where you know you're supposed to do something and you just don't think you can? You just want to run away, feeling like you can't do the very task that God has put in front of you? If you ever felt like that, that's, that's how Moses feels today in oh. Exodus chapter 3 and four in our text. We've been, we've been in the book of Exodus for a month now. Chapter one is all about God's people being enslaved in Egypt. Chapter two is Moses' origin story. And last week, we were formally introduced to God, the Yahweh, Jehovah, his personal name. And this is part two of a two-part sermon because Exodus 3 and Exodus 4 are really one big idea or section. Uh, it was just too much to handle in one sermon. So this is part two of a two-part sermon. Now, I know some of you, you're like, oh, no. 
what am I going to do because I wasn't here for part one, but, but it's okay. You know, it's like you're the people who you watch a show on Netflix and you can't start at episode three. You got to start at episode one. I get you. I'm like that. Okay. But it's okay. Like Netflix, I have a recap for you. And so I, will, I wish I had an announcer voice, you know, last week in Exodus, but I, I don't. Uh, so uh, I'll just bring you up to speed here. Quick like, um, having run from Pharaoh, Moses is in Midian in the middle of nowhere, hanging out with sheep for 40 years. God appeared to him in a burning bush, introduced himself. And last week, Moses, we saw Moses had two questions for God. One, the first question was, who am I? And the second question is, who are you, God? And we looked at this idea based on God's name that you can't know who you are until you know who God is. The big idea was to know yourself, you must first know your God. And so we spent time last week getting to know God, and then out of that we saw the implications for us that we were made because of who God is. We were made to worship, we were made for relationship, and lastly we were made for mission. And it's this last idea that I want to pick up from today and run forward, that you and I were made for mission God gives Moses a mission in verse 10. Look what he says in verse 10 of chapter 3. He says, So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. This is what Moses was created for. This is, he, it's like very clear, this is your mission. You were made for this. You were made for a mission, Moses. And Moses says, I, I, don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to do that. Uh, I think I'd rather do something else, God. He pushes back. He's not jumping at the chance to, to go on God mission. He knows who God is. He knows who we, he is, but he's not on board yet. In fact, in his responses to God, we see Moses is actually running from the mission to which God has called him. I want to ask you today this simple question. Now that you know who you are, why are you running? Now that you know who you are, now that I know, why are we running? Have you ever resisted God's will for your life? Have you ever tried this? I mean, you can't be a human being and not relate to this. You and I could just put ourselves right in Moses' shoes today. And we're, Moses has five objections to God in chapters three and four. He, he's going to say five objections. Uh, he, he's not on board with God's mission for his life yet. He's got five objections, and we're going to look at those today. And we're going to ask the question, why do we run from our mission? We run because we feel we are lacking in some things. Why do we run from mission? The first reason is because we feel we have a lack of credentials. Look at verse 11, Moses' first objection in the text. Moses said to God, you know, like, okay, you got a mission from me. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Moses is essentially saying here, hey, hey, God, I I'm a nobody. Uh, I don't have the credentials to pull this off. My resume is lacking. My education is lacking. My experience is lacking. Uh, you have to read this question from the backstory of everything that happened in chapter one and chapter two of the text. 
Uh, from the time Moses was young, remember his, his mother floated him out in the, the Nile to try to save his life and he was picked out of the Nile by Pharaoh's daughter. M- Moses' mother raised him as, his, as her handmaiden to raise Moses up. And we know, and we have a pretty good idea that her whole life, Moses' whole life growing up in Egypt, he was told from his mother, you are a prince of Egypt, but that is not who you are. You are a child of God. You are an Israelite. And I think she told him that he was supposed to be the Savior. I mean, is this right being raised with this? So 40 years old, he goes out and he goes, okay, well, I'll do my best. He kills one Egyptian and he buries him in the sand. Uh, uh, Pharaoh finds out about it. Moses hightails it out of there. He goes to, literally to nowhere, Midian, where there's just like nobody. He's beyond the reach of Pharaoh. He's in the wilderness tending sheep. He gets married. He actually tells uh, He names his first child after the word that sounds like alien or stranger. And so Moses is washed up and worthless. For 40 years, his life as a prince was a lifetime ago by the time God meets him at the burning bush. And he had given up on his dream. He had settled into being a stranger. He was a nobody. He didn't have credentials. Now look at God's answer to this in verse 12. Moses says, who am I? God says, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that is I who have sent you here. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. (coughs) I love this response. Because this is probably not the response that I would have given Moses. This is not the response most people would have given Moses. We would have said, oh, Moses, you know, maybe, come on, you know, I, I know you feel bad about yourself, but you can do it. Just do it, you know, Nike, right? Like, come on, you can do it. Or, you know, like Moses, you are such a pansy. <laughs> come on, you wuss. Man up, let's go, get it done. Or in our culture, Moses, what you really need to do is look deep in yourself and, and just believe in yourself, Right? <laughs> God says none of this. God says, not you can do it, Moses. I can do it. That's what he says. I will be with you. Many people believe that they can't do anything significant for God because they're not important enough or they don't have the right training or the right credentials. And God loves to use people with the wrong credentials. He loves to use people like you and like me. Because that means God is doing the work through you. You can't take credit for it. You can't say, oh, wow, <laughs> I'm awesome. Because look at my training and look at my abilities and look at all my stuff. You have to say, no, it's God. God's promise is not you can do it. God's promise is I can do it. God is the one. And if you don't have the credentials, you're actually in the perfect spot. You don't have to make excuses. You don't have to run from it. You have to embrace it. Yes, I'm lacking credentials. And it's a good thing. (coughs) Now that you know who you are, why are you running? First of all, from lack of credentials. But secondly, we run from our mission because of a lack of success. We run because of a lack of success. Look at verse 13. Moses' second excuse. Moses said to God, Well, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the Lord God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? Now, 
this is not, this is a weird excuse at, at first glance. Like, what, what's the deal with your name and what's going on here? And Moses' objection here is based on his past experience. He's tried this once before. He's tried to liberate the Israelites before, 40 years ago. I mean, he buried an Egyptian in the sand and he was a complete failure at it. And he fears that the Israelites will remember him as a failure. Moses is concerned. He's saying, what's different now? I tried this before. Who is God? Maybe if I know your name, they'll think something's different. Because Moses has a track record of failure. He's lacking success. Moses fears they're going to question his ability. They'll want proof. They want God's name. Uh, in Egyptian culture, to know the name of a God was to have some kind of control over that God. So there is a piece of manipulation here. But Moses fears they're not going to trust his ability. So he wants to offer up and say, listen, uh, you got to, just like the Egyptians have their gods, you got a God on your side and you can manipulate him just like they do. And just trust me. Moses is saying, I don't have the ability to do this. So if we could just manipulate a God, everything would be okay. You see, Moses is still stinging. He's reeling from the failure 40 years ago. You see, sometimes failure sticks with us for a very long time. Some of you here today, that's how you really see yourself. Maybe it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, a lifetime ago, that you failed and you feel like that failure has defined you. If we see ourselves as a failure... We think everyone else sees us that way. What's the biggest failure in your life? Some of you go, oh, I know right away what that is. I know right away. So you have to think a little bit. What's the biggest failure in your life? Has it defined you? Does it stick with you? And if you do, you feel like everyone else sees you in that same lens. The commentator Anthony Silvaggio says this, remember why Moses asked God for his name. He was concerned about his ability to complete his appointed task, and he was anxious that the Israelites would not receive him because of his checkered past. Lack of success. Now look at God's answer, because God always has an answer. Look at verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. We looked into this at length last week. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. For now, the most important aspect of the name for Moses' objection is that God is active and present God says, I have a track record of success. You don't need one. Again, the commentator Silvagia says this. When God tells Moses that he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he was telling Moses that he would be with Moses and he had been with those who preceded him. In other words, God was saying to Moses, I am the God of Moses. You don't need to be a success. In fact, God loves to use failures. Don't run from the mission that God gives you simply because you're a failure. God loves to use failures. 
And because those failures point us to an active God who is doing the work. So if you don't have credentials, if you lack success, God's lining you up for the perfect spot to use you. Now you know, don't run. Why are you running? There's a third reason that we run from God. Lack of credentials, lack of success, lack of self-confidence. Look at, skip to chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, this is his third objection, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Moses' confidence in himself is almost non-existent at this point. The last words of an Israelite to him are still ringing in his ears. What were the last things 40 years ago he heard from another Israelite? Well, back chapter 2, verse 14. This is the last thing an Israelite said to him. Uh, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Moses was afraid. This is the last thing he remembers from the Israelites. His self-confidence is gone. Moses had tried leadership once. It hadn't worked out. It destroyed his self-confidence. Perhaps perhaps you've had a moment like this in your past. You tried to do what God wanted. You failed. And now you doubt if you can. And maybe you kind of like that you have an excuse not to. You lack self-confidence and you kind of like it. Um, When we were first married, I tried to do something. Uh, and I quickly discovered that I was a complete failure at it. I, I tried to iron my clothes, okay? Uh, my mom had always ironed my clothes. I didn't know how to do this. I tried. I spent probably an hour trying to iron one shirt, and it looked worse when I got done with it than when I started. And I threw up my hands, and I said, Clarissa, you get to do the ironing from now on. I am a complete failure at this. I stink. We'll let you use your giftedness here. Now, uh, Yeah, you like that, right? (laughs) Let let her use her giftedness. Uh, You might say, Dave, (laughs) that's convenient. And you might be right. Okay, there are times when we kind of like our failure. It kind of gives us a built-in excuse. And then there's other times where we don't like our failure and we lack self-confidence. Again, God always answers Moses in the perfect way. He says, let me give you three signs That's his answer. Look at verse 2. Then the Lord said to him, what's that in your hand? God answers Moses' question with a question. A staff, he replied. Then throw it on the ground. Then Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. You can just imagine this scene in the middle of of the desert there. Uh, The first sign was this... uh, staff into a serpent. The second sign, God tells him, put your hand uh, in your cloak, and Moses takes it out, and it's filled with leprosy, and he puts it back, and it disappears. And then lastly, he says that you're going to take some water out of the Nile eventually, and you're going to pour it on the ground, and it's going to turn to blood. And for the purpose of all these signs, God says this in verse 5, this, says the Lord, is so that they might believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, Jacob has appeared to you. In other words, you don't need the approval of these people. I'll do it. And this is important because the reality here is that God uses what we have. 
God uses what you have. He doesn't need you to get extra training. He says, go make mistakes. He doesn't need you to look deep in yourself and find your confidence. No, God doesn't need you to do anything. He doesn't need you to have self-confidence. He wants you to have the confidence that's in him, not yourself. This This flies in the face of everything you hear. When someone fails, you see someone, you go, oh, that guy just needs to develop some self-confidence. She just needs to develop some self-confidence. And that's a bunch of baloney. That's the last thing you need. The thing you need is God confidence. If you're running from God because you lack self-confidence, good. You're in the perfect spot. Stop running. You're where you're supposed to be. Renew your confidence not in yourself, but in your God. Now that you know who you are, why are you running? Lack of credentials. We see lack of self-confidence. We see lack of success. And now the fourth thing is lack of competence. Look at verse 10. Moses' fourth excuse. Moses said to the Lord, Oh Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech and tongue. We don't know exactly what Moses' problem was. We don't know whether he just, when he talked publicly, he just stumbled over himself. You know, the number one fear in America is public speaking, you know. And so, (laughs) uh, more than death, actually. People would rather be in the coffin than on the stage giving the funeral. I think it's hilarious. But uh, we can relate to this. Maybe that's Moses. Maybe he's got a stutter. We don't know exactly. We just know that he felt, I am not competent to talk to anyone. He thought he was physically unable. But there's a built-in excuse here, and, and I think there's an underlying accusation here. God, you made me this way. It's your fault. You ever said that to God? There's something wrong with me. I got a problem. God, it's your fault. Have you ever blamed God for who you are? I'm an introvert, God. You made me this way. I can't do that. Or I'm just dumb or ugly or fat. My parents messed me up. I just wasn't made the right way, God. Look at God's answer in verse 11. God says to him, who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. God doesn't run from the accusation. He goes, yep, I made you just the way I wanted you. And your lack of competence, your lack of ability, that's exactly what I want. I'll do it for you. You know, you say, Dave, there's something wrong with me. (laughs) There's something wrong with me, right? There is something wrong with you. And I think this is the beauty of how God works. He helps us. He does it. We are helpless before God. And even as God speaks to Moses, he looks forward. 1,400 years, he looks forward to the cross when we were who are helpless before God, would find that God came to us when we who could not be reconciled to God on our own 
needed God to come to us. And he did it in Jesus when Jesus stretched out his arms and gave his life for us. When we were helpless. In fact, unless you see yourself as helpless, you cannot embrace the gospel. The good news. You do lack ability. You do lack competence. But it's good. Now that you know who you are, why are you running? The fifth thing that Moses says to God, and it's my personal favorite, is in verse 13. But Moses said, Oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. <laughs> in other words, okay, my excuses haven't worked and up this, to this time. I just want out. I lack desire. I don't want to do it. It's too hard. I've said that. Whatever is facing me in life, God, I don't want to do it. It's too hard. There's a lot of things in life I haven't wanted to do. I remember uh, 21 years ago now when Clarissa was pregnant with Nicholas and we lived in Chicago and the, the ladies of our church did a baby shower for Clarissa. And as was the tradition of this wonderful church, all the ladies in the church got together. They invited Clarissa. But as was the tradition, the only man in the room that was invited was the daddy. And I knew this was coming. And I knew I'd heard stories. They would totally humiliate the dad. They would make him do things like change a diaper. I don't want to change a diaper. I don't know anything about kids at this point, right? It's zero. I, I, I babysat once, and it went so horribly that I never, ever did it again. And so I was, like, terrified at this moment, and I was dreading it. And the day, the calendar would approach, and the day would come, and I kept trying to come up with excuses why I wouldn't have to go. And Clarissa was like, you, you can't not go. You have to go. <sighs> I tried to think of any excuse. I lacked a desire. All right, can you relate to this? Because God puts things in our life and we don't want to do it. Just like Moses. God's told me to do something and I haven't wanted to do. Is something hard coming for you and you don't want to do it? Is there someone in your life and God's telling you to engage them and you don't want to? Is there something that requires patience for you? And you're like, I don't want to. You read obedience in the Bible and, and you read what obedience says. You go, I don't want to, God. Look at God's response. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. Oh, man. <laughs> the, up to this time, God's been pretty patient with Moses. And finally, the, where the rubber meets the road, Moses doesn't want to. And he stirs up the anger of the Lord. Rightfully so. But God is always the God of grace. And even in his anger with Moses, he, he gives Moses the grace of two things, two companions in this. Look at verse 14, the second half of it there. Um, he says... What about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you. Don't you love that God has anticipated this already? He's sent Aaron already. And in his heart, will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. And I will help both of you speak and will teach you 
what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth, and as if you were God to him. God says, I, 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 I'm, I got you. I know you don't want to. I know you think you lack everything necessary to do this. I got you. And he sends him a companion. Guess what? You're, you're not alone. When God calls you to do something hard, he doesn't call you alone. Look around. Because there's someone who will come alongside you and walk with you in it. That's just the way God works. But look at the second thing God gives him in verse 17. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform miraculous signs with it. In other words, God's saying, this is a symbol, a reminder, remember? I am with you. God doesn't leave him alone. He's got Aaron, and he's got God's presence. Friends, you are not alone. You are not alone. You are not all by yourself in this. You may think that you lack all of these things. Why are you running? Because the very things you lack the credentials, the success, the self-confidence, the competence, the desire, the things you lack actually place you in the perfect position for God to show his power through you. So all this comes down to this one idea. This one thing, I always tell you, you should, read, you should write down this thing. And, and this is it. Don, put it up there. When we are lacking, God is sufficient. Whatever you think you lack, God is sufficient. And this is the gospel of grace. We can't. God can. You see, the gospel, the good news, that Jesus would come meet us, that he would spread out his arms and die in our place, that he would rise from the dead, conquering sin and death, that he would send his presence with us in his spirit. This good news... It's not just good news for the past. And it's not just good news for the future. It's good news for today. Because the God of grace is always giving us grace when we need it most. What you think you lack, he makes up because you do lack it. In Jesus, he did for us what we couldn't do. Why would this change? Why would all of a sudden he goes, well, I did the grace for you in Jesus and that's all the grace you're getting. No, this is how he works. That's the whole point. You can't. God can. And so as we close, I want to just ask you this. What is the kingdom work that God has placed in front of you today? Because God should be bringing something to your mind right now. What is the mission that he has placed in front of you? Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's in your neighborhood. Maybe it's with your family. Maybe it's with your marriage. Maybe it's with your kids. I don't know. Is it in your family? Is it something that is difficult as forgiving someone who's hurt you or simply showing grace to a neighbor whose dog poops on your yard all the time? Is the kingdom work something that Jane mentioned today? God is stirring you going, yeah, I know you don't have time and I know you don't want to, but you should go one of these areas and give your time. Is it doing something with integrity? Saying, if I do the right thing, 
it's going to cost me dearly. Is it just simply to talk about your Jesus story with someone in your life? What is the kingdom work that God has placed in front of you today? I want to just leave you with this quote, again from Anthony Silvaggio. So what do we do when we feel like running from God's calling due to our insufficiencies? We remind ourselves that fulfilling God's calling is not about our sufficiency for the task. Rather, it is about God's sufficiency. We need to remember it's not about our weakness, but about God's strength. And this is exactly what God reveals to Moses. As Moses struggled with what he is lacking, God told Moses that he is the God who is sufficient. When you are lacking, God is sufficient because he is your rock. He is your cornerstone. He is the one who can do what you cannot. Our worship team is going to come back. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that in our inability, you are able. In our insufficiency, you are sufficient. Christ alone, the gospel, the good news of grace in our lives. You take what we can't do and you alone, God, are the one who makes up what is lacking. You are sufficient and we love you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.